1: Hello, and welcome to Happier, a podcast about building happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should have something to look forward to and how a simple bowl can add to your happiness. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is Elizabeth Kraft.
0: My sister, my guru, and sometimes my guinea pig. (laughs) That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And Gretch, being the subject of your happiness experiments has (laughs) definitely improved my life. So thank you. Excellent. Uh, Now, we, in episode 79, talked about reviving a dormant friendship. And um, we've gotten a lot of great responses from people who actually were inspired to go revive a dormant friendship. Yeah. And we wanted to read one of them. Um, This is from Miriam. She says, I tried reviving a dormant friendship and got such a warm response that I am too excited and happy to go to sleep. So now I am violating two of your other happiness recommendations by staying up (laughs) way too late and emailing before bed. Reviving the friendship involved tracking her down through Google and emailing her work. The email subject was neighbor from heaven. We lived next door when our children were very small, sharing laughter, childhood magic, and impromptu over-the-fence dinners. Our children are now 30 years old. Without your suggestion, I probably would not have stalked my old friend on Google and made this connection full of such rich memories. Thanks so much. Oh, that's so nice. It's so energizing and exciting to think
1: about old friendships coming back to life. It's just wonderful to read these examples. I love that.
0: Yeah, really nice.
1: And um, we also heard from Allison, our listener who had emailed in about her distress at losing her engagement ring. Um, And it was so great to hear from her. So this is what she said. Thanks so much for answering my question on the podcast. Sadly, I have not found the ring. However, a couple of weeks after I submitted my question, I did decide to have my grandmother's ring sized, repaired, appraised, and insured. Although it is not the same ring, it has a very special meaning to me. Thanks for your kind advice. And she attached a picture of her ring, which was very, very beautiful. Very pretty. Yeah. And she added, I was also pleased to hear the explanation from Yuri in episode 82. I like the idea that the ring may have protected me from something. It has also allowed me to connect with people. I put up signs around my office and had many sweet conversations with strangers, employees at my local Starbucks, and even an older gentleman at the bus stop. I hope that I find it someday. If not, I hope someone enjoys it as much as I did. So that was a, that's kind of a nice, uh, for anybody who's been following the engagement yes. ring story and feeling, feeling bad for Allison, it's nice to know she has a beautiful ring now. And seems to have come to peace with it. It was a really yes. interesting thing to think about. Yes.
0: And who knows? Maybe it'll turn up someday.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Now, Lizzie, this week our tried This at Home tip is to have something to look forward to.
0: Yes. I love this because, you know, it's fall and I feel like everybody is really back to the grind now. At least if the traffic in L.A. <laughs> is any indication, everyone's going to work a lot. Um, yeah. And um, I think over the summer, there's always a lot of things to look forward to. But in the fall, we can sort of lose sight of having fun. And it just feels like, you know, it's work, work, work and school, school, school. So um, it's good to have that thing to look forward to. So you're, you know, out of your normal, normal everyday routine.
1: Yeah, you know, and one of the things that was really interesting when I wrote The Happiness Project, um, I devoted a month of May to being serious about play. Um, And the fact is, like, we need fun. We need things to look forward to. And studies show that in order to have a happy life, it's not enough just to have the absence of bad things or things that make you unhappy. You also need sources for feeling good. Um, and looking forward to something is a great way to feel good because you you see something coming up. You know that you're going to be doing something and you have all that anticipatory pleasure. And then, of course, you have the thing planned itself that you're going to enjoy.
0: Yeah, like I have um, right now a girls night out on the calendar where we're seeing a movie and having dinner. And it's something I do surprisingly rarely. So it's like really something I'm looking forward to. I know I'm going to have a great time, have great conversation um, and I can't wait. And um, it's like by having that thing on the calendar, it boosts my happiness leading up to yep. it because I know it's coming. Well,
1: I think people can also, at least I know I can, get into this mode of feeling like, oh, look at everything I do. You start feeling deprived. You start feeling burned out. And when you can look in your calendar, and I mean, I really think this is, for this tried This At Home trip, it's like really literally look in your calendar, if you keep a calendar, maybe some rebels don't keep a calendar, but look in your calendar and see like, Look at all the entries. Is there stuff that is fun that you're looking forward to that's coming up? Um, and the fact is, if every single thing in your calendar is a slog and you sort of dread everything, you might need to step back and, and reevaluate your life, you know, because your calendar is your life. Um, and uh, and you want it to have spot, bright spots of things that you're really excited about.
0: Yeah. And I like to think of it, um, Gretch, almost as like the A, B, C of having something to look forward to. Ooh, ooh! I love a framework. What's your framework? Like, well, you need, so you need sort of three, I have three categories. It's like big, medium and small. So like (laughs) you want to have one like big thing to look forward to, which would be like a weekend away. Um, Our mind for that is our upcoming live show in Seattle. Yes then the b thing is like a medium thing so i would my girls night out i put in that category you know it's it's yeah. it's manageable it's not that big but it's significant And then a smaller thing, and that's like a favorite TV show. So, you know, I might be looking forward to watching an episode of The Real Housewives or, you know, a new show on HBO, you know, something that I really can't wait to sit down and watch.
1: Right. It's not just like sitting down and flicking through channels. It's like really looking forward to something. So, I mean, we just we do this um, over the summer. We got in this habit of having kind of like a. Something that we watched as a family, and right now we're watching Downton Abbey, which somehow Mm -hmm. we know I had never seen before. And my whole and and we're and of course like everybody, we love it, and I really look forward to it. And we can only watch it we can when we can all watch together. So um, it's really something to look forward to um, because you can't it just we can't binge watch and um, and 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 it's a whole family experience that we're going through.
0: That's so fun. I love that show. By the way, yeah. It's also, if you have something to look forward to, it can help you get through something you really don't want to do, yeah. you know? So it's like, if you have like a really tough week, you know, you have like packed with meetings every day or you have some big report due or whatever it is, If you it helps if you can think, okay, on Saturday, I'm going to the beach. Right. So... That that will be worth all of this, you know. Right, because
1: one of the one aspect of doing something that you enjoy is you're enjoying it while you're doing it, and then you're also looking back on it with pleasure. So that's that's the thing. But then there's also the anticipation, um, and you do get an, a happiness boost from just thinking about what you're going to do in the future, um, and that's called rosy prospection. And one of the things is sometimes. Your rosy prospection happiness is happier than the happiness that you actually get from the experience itself. Mm. So by looking forward to something, you you sort of get a double dip of it. Um, So you want to have things on your calendar to look forward to, even beyond just doing those things. Though I will say that for rebels, sometimes rebels don't want to have something on the calendar. And if they put it on the calendar, mm. they might uh, then not want to do it. And so maybe they don't, they just have it to look forward to. They just think like, when I'm ready to, I will do X, Y, Z. Or when the moment's right, yeah. I'll go to the library or y- whatever it would be. Um, so you want to have, you want to look forward to it in the way that is right for you. Because that might, you might have a different way of structuring something that you look forward to. Um. I like knowing exactly when something's going to happen because... That's the kind of person that I am, but other people might want to have it feel more spontaneous. But it's the idea of having something that you're looking forward to in some general way.
0: Speaking of Downton Abbey, Gretz, do you think Lady Mary is a rebel? Ooh, I am only
1: like uh, not even halfway through season two, so I don't know. But so far, she is looking like a rebel. So I will pay attention to that as we continue to watch and I will do my analysis. Excellent question.
0: All right.
1: So let us know if you try this at home and whether having something to look forward to adds to your happiness. Uh, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, uh, email us at com, or go to happiercast.com slash 85 for anything related to this episode.
0: Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Gretchen, so I know you're calling this happiness hack the bowl of requirement, which I'm intrigued by. What is it?
1: (laughs) So this is something that I love. This is a great hack that I discovered. Now, if you know your Harry Potter and as we all do. The room of requirement is this enchanting idea that there's a room at Hogwarts Castle, the school, the wizard school, where if you go in there, you will find whatever you need. Mm -hmm. Um, If you need to teach your friends how to do magic, you'll find all the things that you need to do that. If you really need to go to the bathroom, you're Mm going to find uh, a toilet, like whatever you need, you find. And so I have adapted this in my own family uh, to the bowl of requirement. Mm -hmm. And This is that whenever we are away from home, so like if we rent a house or we're staying in a hotel or we're at mom and dad's house, whenever we're not at our home, because when we're at home, we know where things go, where, you know, Jamie has the place where he puts his wallet and all that kind of thing. But when we're away from home, I had noticed over time that like things got dispersed and mm. couldn't be found because you couldn't predict where they were. So Eliza couldn't find her sunglasses or, you know, Eleanor couldn't find her phone or Jamie couldn't find his wallet right. or, you know, what you know, where's the room key, um, anything like that. So what I do is now whenever we go to an unfamiliar place, I get a bowl or a tray um, and I put it in some prominent place. And um, anything that I find that is, like, the thing that somebody's going to need, I put it in the bowl. And so I just am constantly on the lookout for anything important And because I'm like, somebody's going to come up to me and be like, but, Mom, I can't find my headphones or whatever. I'm like, it's in the bowl because everything, as soon as I find it out of place, I put it in the bowl and uh, or loose change or, you know, crumpled dollar bills or whatever. Anything to be kept track of is in the central place. And... Also, if you're traveling, a lot of times, like, there's sort of stuff everywhere. There can be a lot of disarray. Yeah. Um, And so this just saves so much um, panic or annoyance with trying to track down items because they're not in their usual place because we're not in our usual place.
0: That is a great idea. And I have to say, Adam loses sunglasses almost every time we go away. So I think this uh, bowl of requirement would be great just for sunglasses alone. So I'm definitely going to use this hack.
1: Well, and the thing is also, it's like everybody knows where to look. But then also, if you find these things in like some odd place, like, I wonder why Adam put his sunglasses like on the, you know, this windowsill behind the curtain. You know, you're like, I will take them and put them in the bowl because then it's just like, that's where they are. Um, yes. Good. Yes. I have Great to say... Great <laughs> I was Gold so proud of myself. for you. For your, that's a really good hack. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Try the bowl of requirements. And so, so the Know Yourself Better question um, this week, Elizabeth, is the question of, have you ever been made angry or upset by a well-intentioned gift?
0: Hmm... Interesting yeah gifts, gifts can be tricky,
1: yeah, and if you remember the conversation we had in episode seventy three um, our listener, Whitney um, had uncomfortable emotions related to a gift um, in in her case, she was a new mom, and she 'd been given a very expensive name brand, really you know nice diaper bag from her mother-in-law, whom she she was very close to her mother-in-law. But the thing is, Whitney was more of like a backpack person. And so she felt like she, this was something that she wasn't going to use. And it, and it, and it raised a lot of uncomfortable emotions about what to do with it, how to handle it. Um, And it was, it's a great illustration how sometimes a gift can give us, uh, we can have reactions to gifts that can be difficult to manage.
0: So Gretch, I have to ask: Have you ever been made angry or upset by a well-intentioned gift? Yeah, I mean, one
1: example that that springs to my mind is um, I, I was very un- I was made very uneasy <laughs> when once when Jamie gave me this big gardenia plant. Now I love gardenias. I you know mm. I'm obsessed with the sense of smell. I love the smell. Gardenia is one of my favorite senses of smell. I had them in my wedding. Like I love they're beautiful when they're growing. And he gave me this large gardenia plant. And it was a beautiful, thoughtful gift. Um, so it was, it was very well intentioned, and it was very—it was like a really good gift. But I have to say, it made me really uneasy because it because it made me feel anxious about myself. And I think this is why this is a good know yourself better question because what it made me feel about myself is like I'm going to kill this plant in like three days. I cannot mm-hmm. keep. I here. I have this beautiful gift. And I'm not going to be able to keep it alive. I'm not going to be able to keep it going. So I just looked at it with this sort of feeling of like despair and disappointment in myself that he'd given me this lovely gift and I wasn't going to be able to take good care of it. And so I think I didn't react to it properly because I was so managing my own emotions um, rather than really responding to the spirit of the gift because it was lovingly meant and very well chosen um, that made me feel bad about myself.
0: Oh. How about you? Have you ever had? Yeah, it's funny. I didn't, well, I didn't feel angry or upset necessarily, but I have had a few occasions where people have given me cookbooks because <laughs> I'll go on some long thing about how, well, my thing is going to be soup. That's what I finally <laughs> realized is that soup is where I'm going to be. You know, uh, that, that's my deal. And then like my friend Nancy gave me a cookbook of all soups and it was like so thoughtful and nice, but I'm like, oh, she actually thinks I'm going to cook soup. Oh no, I'm just saying that. It's like, even though I I didn't, in my mind, I was going to do it. But as soon as I got the cookbook, I realized like, oh, I'm not actually going to cook soup. Um, I don't know if I would say I was angry. <laughs> Definitely not angry. Maybe a little uneasy because I had to re- face my own lack of follow through. But see, that's a perfect
1: example, because I think that's why this is a know-yourself-better question, because it's about how you're... Because une- negative emotions can be these big flashing signs to help us with self-knowledge or to see how we, we might want to make our lives better. And what it was assigned to you was like, in a way, my words aren't matching what I really want, because I don't really want a soup cookbook. And that was the source of the uneasiness. And so it was kind of spotlighting this conflict within yourself. So that's useful to know that, uh, to to understand it. Because I think sometimes it's just, you just have this bad feeling. But I think it's like, whenever you have that kind of uneasy feeling, it's worth dialing in and trying to understand what's going on a little bit, because that's how you can learn. Now, I do think also, I mean, Alyssa, don't you think that sometimes people really do get gifts that are passive aggressive? Like, sometimes you can get a gift that's a little bit, Not that (laughs) well-intentioned.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's like giving someone a scale, you know, for for their birthday. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's A a Fitbit if they haven't asked for it.
0: Yeah. The classic, I think, is the vacuum cleaner. You know, mom's getting vacuum cleaners from Mother's (laughs) Day. not a big hit. Um, I was thinking, though, I gave my mother-in-law, and I hope she didn't take it the wrong way, Um, you know, there's the pet egg, which is something you use to scrape, um, like calluses off your feet. Well, they have an electric version and I really wanted one. And so I, you know, I got one for my mother-in-law and I really hope she didn't take that as I was commenting on her feet, which of course I've never noticed her feet. I just thought I would love to get this. I would never buy it for myself. I'm going to get it for her. So I, am, I don't know how she I, took it because I wasn't there when she opened it. Um, I am literally gasping for think that for was Br- an ill-conceived <laughs> gift? I cannot.
1: I, I have not laughed so hard in a long time. I think that's a gift. So they, you did not
0: get Judy one of those?
1: I think it's hard not to take that as a hint. I think if somebody gives you that, I think you got it, like you got to give it in person or like send along a note. Says, I'm giving you this gift because this is something that I would like to give, get myself, because I feel like that's a gift that just screams hint, hint, hint. I mean, I, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I mean, and I see, but see, but this is a perfect example. It's totally well intentioned. And you think it's like the classic thing, like you should give a gift to something you'd want to receive on your own. And you don't even think about the fact that somebody on the other end could have a completely different reaction. I mean. This is why gifts are tricky, because yours was totally lovingly met, met, and you probably have never even looked at your mother-in-law's feet closely, and yet, and no. <laughs> who knows? Oh, it my could gosh. could be misinterpreted. Oh my, that is hilarious. Oh. She-
0: <laughs> She she's still speaking to me. So I, I guess however she felt, she she got over it if it if it made her angry That's or right. upset.
1: Right. Maybe she just regifted it right away. right um, And this reminds me of this great Andy Warhol quote. Like, I don't even like Andy Warhol's uh, art that much, but I love his writing. He's just like this crazy, brilliant mind. And he just said it beautifully. He said, you can never predict what little things and the way somebody looks or talks or acts will set off peculiar emotional reactions in other people. Mm. And I really just think that's true with gift giving. Like you're giving it, you're getting it. And you just sometimes you, you just stray into this emotionally charged territory in ways that you really couldn't have anticipated. Um, and so it's just something to be aware of, I think. And when you do have that negative emotion, to really try to understand it and, and use it as a way to know yourself better
0: for sure
1: but listen I'm sure in the case of your mother-in-law I mean knowing you I bet she knows that you meant it in the best possible way and did not think that you would you, it's very unlike you to give a hint 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 gift so I'm I, i I'm sure she figured out um, uh, what you meant by it
0: <laughs> well I'll have to ask her next time I see her and hopefully she'll tell me she's using it and that her feet are soft and wonderful and she doesn't know what she'd do without it yes it's a lovely gift <laughs> And now for a listener
1: question. Um, as always, you can leave us a voicemail a question at 774-277-9336. That is also 77-HAPPY-336 or podcast at com. This week's call is from
2: Elizabeth. Hi, Gretchen and Liz. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm calling from Indianapolis. Um, I'm calling because I have a goal, and it's a big goal for me, and I'm really really nervous about what to do about that. My goal is to uh, participate in NaNoWriMo, which is um, National November Writers' Month, and to write a novel in November. And I believe, Gretchen, that you were able to do this yourself, so I figured I should turn to you and Liz for some advice. Um, So I know about NaNoWriMo, and uh, I've committed to doing it, but as November draws near, I'm getting much more nervous. And I'm nervous because I have a lot on my plate, as we all do, and I'm not quite sure how I'm going to make room for this. Um, I'm a teacher of high school English. I have four little kids, and you can imagine and fill in everything else that we all have to do. And um, I'm also an obliger. So I know that kind of putting this goal of mine uh, last on the list of things to do is really something uh, that I tend towards. So I just wanted to see if you have any tips for me, especially when it comes to planning to fail. I know there will be days where I don't get my word limit in, and I'm not quite sure how to approach that. Thanks.
0: Well, I mean, National Novel Writing Month is something a lot of people um, are into, and I admire everyone who does it. Gretchen, didn't you do it once?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, Elizabeth's right. I did it, um, and I write about it in The Happiness Project about how I, I did. And what it is is that you have a—it's it's a very kind of structured way of writing a novel. You have a certain word count that you're supposed to meet every day. And so at the end of it, you have a 50,000-word novel, which is about the same as, like, The Great Gatsby. So that's really—you've that's written—you can write a novel in a month if you stick to their program.
0: So what can Elizabeth do to, you know, make this happen? I mean, I, I it gives me anxiety and heart palpitations just thinking about it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, NaNoWriMo is something that appeals to some people, but not to others. It's definitely like a boot camp, uh, marathon training kind of approach. Um, well, one thing I think is to use the. St- so there are the 21 strategies uh, that you can use to make or break a habit. And this isn't quite a habit, but you could use a lot of the strategies. And one of the strategies is scheduling. So not to think like, well, at some point today, I'm going to write my words, but really to say like, I'm going to, you know, and, and to put it in the calendar so that it's actually an item. I will use the hour from 8 to 9 a.m. to work on my novel um, or whatever it might be so that it's very clear when you're doing it.
0: That makes sense. And I mean, I don't think 8 to 9 is going to be enough.
1: Yeah, it might be a couple of different times. Um, And Elizabeth also mentions uh, planning to fail. And that is the strategy of safeguards. And that's a really, really smart thing to be thinking about, um, which is to think about when you might fail, and how to handle the challenges that are going to come up. And this is often called if-then planning. Like, if I have a lot of papers to grade, then I will do X, Y, Z. If one of my children gets sick, then I will do X, Y, Z. If I have evening plans and can't write at night, then I will do X, Y, Z. And to really try to anticipate everything that could come up and have a plan for it. Because Elizabeth says she's sure that sometimes she won't be able to do it but maybe she should be saying how am i going to figure out a way so that no matter what happens i will be able to do it so really trying not to not to anticipate that she won't be able to do it every day but to really like figure out a way to meet any challenge that might come up
0: yeah it seems to me for something like this where it's a month and it's this intensive yeah. you have to say even if i have a million papers to grade i still have yeah. to get in my word count that I yes. cannot go yes. to bed without that word count. And maybe they won't be the best words, you know. Maybe they'll yeah. need a lot of right. editing. But I am going to do it because if you if that happens a couple of times, you're never going to catch up.
1: Um, yeah, no. And I think you're exactly right. I think that's part of the, the 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 purpose of it, and it's also part of the fun of it. It's just the kind of the intensity of it, and really committing to it, and saying for these thirty days, I'm just absolutely going to do it. Because she says, I know there will be days when I don't get my word limit in. I, th- I think you really I think you're exactly right. You really do have to say for these 30 days, I am really, really going to stick to that. Um, but also, Elizabeth um, makes an interesting uh, point about herself, which is that she notes that she's an obliger. Well, this mm. is a really, really important piece of information to take into account. Um because – and if people don't know about the four tendencies, you can go on to – you can take the quiz to find out if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, a rebel. If you go to com slash quiz and you'll find a, um, a quiz that will tell you what tendency – which of the four tendencies you are. And she's an obliger, which is the biggest tendency, um, which means that – uh, an obliger readily meets outer expectations, but struggles to meet inner expectations. So I would suggest that one thing Elizabeth could do is she could tell her high school English classes
0: mm. that she is
1: doing this. Ooh, bold. So she will, they will hold her accountable because I, if knowing high school students, I bet like every other day they'll be like, hey... Uh, mm. Are you, you know, or how are you doing with national? They'll probably be really excited because people tend to be really interested in this. So they mm-hmm. might really be asking her about it, which would make her feel more committed. And she could also think of her duty as a role model, mm. as a teacher and a writer and as an adult. Like, I can make a commitment and stick to a commitment. If I say I'm going to do something, I follow through with it. That's a form of accountability, the role model accountability. Now, Elizabeth, I've heard you say sometimes with an ob- as an obliger that you don't want that accountability because then it's so you feel so much pressure to follow through. Yeah. But then that's how you do follow through. That's the thing.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. It's like I if it's something you really, really want to do in your core gut heart behind soul, <laughs> then yeah, I say go for it. Get that accountability going. It's it's when you're yeah. not quite so sure that you don't want to do it because you don't want to be forced. <laughs> Right, but, And then
1: the, the whole idea of National Novel Writing Month is that there's a whole community of people who are also doing it. So you have this online community that you can tap into that as an obliger might be really fun for her. Um, so she can have the, the accountability of other people doing NaNoWriMo, but then also the accountability of the people who are in her, um, like really like in her daily life.
0: Yeah. And then the other thing, Gretchen, she should be aware of all of your loopholes that, you know, people give themselves to get out of doing something. So <laughs> yeah. when she starts thinking about a loophole, she can stop herself. What what are those?
1: Yeah. So this is the strategy of loophole spotting, which is to be very aware. So some of the loopholes, there's 10 categories of loopholes and a few that seem particularly um, applicable in this situation. One is the false choice loophole, which is, I can't write my my words for National Novel Writing Month because I have to grade papers. Well, you could really do both. Um, the lack of control loophole, which is I couldn't write my uh, words today because we had a big staff meeting at school, and so I lost my writing period. Well, that's the lack of control. Questionable assumption loophole is like, uh, well, I can never write after dinner. Well, maybe you could write after dinner. Mm. Um or like the tomorrow loophole. It's okay to not do it today because tomorrow I'm going to write twice as much because it's Saturday. It's like, well, you don't really know what you're going to do mm. tomorrow. So that's just a few of the of – the, There's every loophole is powerful. <laughs> we, we all invoke them all the time. But that's some of the ones that I think might be particularly useful in this situation in a bad way.
0: Um, And, you know, Gretchen, it occurs to me the other thing Elizabeth can do is ask for help. You know, I mean, it may be that this month she needs more help taking care of her kids, you know, or more help with other chores or errands so that she has this time. And when you're asking people for help, you know, whether it's her spouse or a friend or mom or whomever, it's like it's just for this month. This isn't in perpetuity. (laughs) I just need help for this month. And I think people are willing to support dreams and goals and they'd probably be happy to do that.
1: Yeah, good point, good point.
0: Uh, Well, I have to say good luck to Elizabeth. And she's got to let us know if she completes her novel um, at the end of the month.
1: Yes. I'll put up if you're intrigued by this idea, I'll put up a link to National Novel Writing Month and also to the book uh, No Plot, No Problem by Chris Beatty, where he outlines the idea of National Novel Writing Month. Because for a lot of people, this is a really appealing idea. So if it appeals to you, you can just look in the show notes and I will um, I'll put the links there so you can follow up.
0: Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince dot com slash gretchen for free shipping on your order and three hundred and sixty five day returns. That's q u i n c e dot com slash gretchen to get free shipping and three hundred and sixty five day returns. Quince dot com slash gretchen.
1: Elizabeth, um, before we launch into Demerits and Gold Stars, I was remembering um, when we were in Kansas City together the last time we watched uh, School of Rock. And um, it was so funny to see Jack Black talking about gold stars and demerits. Um, you hear him crumpling up the, <laughs> the gold star and demerit chart at the end because he is, he is not enthusiastic, but we love our gold stars and
2: demerits.
0: Well, let's listen.
2: Yes, Tinkerbell. Summer. As class factotum, first I'd like to just say welcome to Horse Green. Thank you. Do you have any questions about our schedule? Because usually now, Ms. Denham teaches vocabulary,
0: then gives us a pop quiz. Then she'll split us up into our reading groups. Track B's reading Okay,
2: chart. hey, hey, hey. Miss Dumbum ain't your teacher today? I am. <laughs> and I got a headache and the runs. So I say, time for recess. But Mr. S, that poster charts everyone's performance. We get gold stars when we master
0: the material covered in class. How do we get gold stars if we just have recess?
2: What are these black dots here? Demerits. What kind of a sick school is this? Hm, yeah.
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> so funny
1: well he's not a believer in getting a demerit but elizabeth you do you did give yourself a demerit nevertheless this week what is it
0: yes gretchen um well you remember um recently i gave myself a demerit for not getting jack back on a good um sleep schedule before school started he'd been staying up really late throughout the summer and it hadn't been a problem because then he would sleep late but of course now he has to get up early Well, what I realized is I also haven't changed my sleep schedule um, (laughs) and I also have to get up much earlier because I have to get him to school. So, um, so I'm still going to bed at midnight, um, or later most nights, Um, But I'm getting up at least 45 minutes or an hour earlier. So I, as a result, I've been really tired. So I need to get myself back on like the school schedule. And how are you going to do that? I think I might have to go back to setting an alarm for going to bed. Um, We discussed on the podcast before, Gretchen, that that is a, you know, a technique that you came up with. Um, to help people go to bed earlier, which is just like we have an alarm to get up in the morning, set an alarm to let you know, hey, it's time to go to bed. Um, And I had been doing that. And then I stopped. And now it's probably time to start again. So I need to like at 11pm have the alarm go off. It's like, okay, bedtime.
1: Well, and guess what? I just updated my iPhone last night. And it turns out that now um, if you have an Apple iPhone, uh, they have a feature called bedtime mm. where you can, I haven't used it yet uh, since I just did this yesterday, but um, you can set a bedtime alarm to help yourself go to bed. So it, it might be that your phone will now make it easier for you to go to bed on time.
0: Wow. All right. Well, I've got to, if I ever update my phone, I will <laughs> for sure check out that feature. Uh-huh. Gretch, what is your gold star this week? Okay, well, I'm going to give myself
1: a gold star this week um, mm, because um, so we had that wonderful question from Sarah about uh, wedding readings. And she sent me her wedding readings, which was so fun um, to see what she actually did pick in the end. Um, but we got so many great wedding readings from everybody. Kristen, of course, read her wedding reading uh, uh, in the podcast, and I've had many requests for like the whole that, that her, her um, "I Like You" poem that she's going to read at her wedding. Um, but there were so many we couldn't read them all um, as part of the episode, and so I made this PDF. And I thought like maybe ten, fifteen people would request this. I have to yeah. say, but I was like still. It was so fun. I thought, oh, this created and it'll probably be handy for a few people. We have been overwhelmed by people requesting the wedding reading PDF, and I have to say, I really did go out of my way to make, make it look good. and And I'm thrilled because so many people have asked for it, and I just, it's such a happy thing. Like because I keep my best friend's getting married, I'm getting married, my sister's getting married, my brother's getting married, yeah. And so, congratulations to everyone who is getting married or who's going to be in a wedding, yes, um, or who is going to be the person who rides to the rescue of the person who is looking for wedding readings and can't (laughs) find a wedding reading um, because I did create this PDF. So if you would like it, you can just email me at podcast at gretchenrubin.com and you don't have to write anything more than just write wedding reading in the subject line. That's all you have to say and I will send it right off to you. And um, it's been so fun to hear from so many people and to be um, helping people find all these wonderful, wonderful wedding readings.
0: Yeah. So gold star to you, Gretchen, and gold star to all those people who are <laughs> yes. now helping their friends and their yes. relatives find wedding readings. I mean, this is clearly a need in, in <laughs> our country and in the world, a good wedding reading. So you're, you're really, um, you hit it out of the park with that one.
1: Well, and gold star, too, for all the thoughtful people who took the time to mail in their, yes. their choices, because that's what I put together. So really, really the gold star goes to them, but I get a gold star for collating. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Give yourself something to look forward to. Let us know if you tried it and if it helped to boost your happiness.
0: Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. We hope
1: to see you and your friends in Seattle, October 13th, Town Hall. Again, that's Seattle. If you want to buy tickets or find out more information, go to slate.com slash live. If you are coming, send us your manifesto, whether it's about work or life or marriage or creativity or family or whatever it is, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk to you about your manifesto on stage. And we will be selling t-shirts. This is our big new innovation. So if you want your happier t-shirt, come to Seattle.
0: And those will be cash only because we haven't figured out the whole credit card thing
1: yet. Yes, so bring bring cash. Oh, and also, um, I want to remind listeners that every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, I do a live conversation about the podcast on Facebook. So if you want to join in the Facebook Live conversation, check it out on my Facebook page, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern.
0: Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft.
1: And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward.